and welcome to another Latino Life podcast. My name is Amaranta Wright. And hi, this is Jose Luis. So today we'll be bringing you, as usual, a whole range of diverse and great music. And we'll also be interviewing the renowned producer and DJ Michel Clay, who's recently reworked Natalia Laforcade's Tu Si Sabes Quererme. But right now we're going to pick up on diaspora music, which we touched on in the first episode. And obviously we're continuing with Venezuela, which is the country that at the moment has the biggest refugee crisis and so is exporting so many musicians. You've been interviewing someone very interesting. Yes, actually, I found this girl called Laura Guevara, a girl from Caracas who now lives in Mexico. She was the up-and-coming singer and songwriter, and she won the Pepsi Awards, which is, I would say, the equivalent of the Mercury or the Brits Awards here in the UK. Then she had to leave the country for different reasons that she will explain, and I started by asking her how she felt when she won the Pepsi Awards. The thing is that after the Pepsi Awards, it, it was a, a good thing to, to put me as like the young singer and songwriter in Venezuela because there are a lot of boy bands, a lot of projects made by guys and there are not a lot of projects uh, lead by girls and I'm not just a singer, I'm a creative and I'm, I'm a leader and I conceptualize all my things like the videos, the music, I'm really involved in my artistic process. Most of the people think that because I'm a girl, I'm just a singer and they try all, all the time like to minimize me or to make me feel like I'm a lady in danger and sometimes in the industry in Venezuela, interested being a girl in an environment that it's like totally masculine environment, it has been good for one side because they were like, oh, Laura. Sometimes people came to me like, I wanna help you. And then they were like really, really shady and really weird. And I was like, oh my God, why is this happening to me? And like, I had so many weird situations. And I now, I understand that all the things that were really weird was because I was a girl. And it was a country where girls or weren't used to be seen as leaders. Well, that sounds like a mixed blessing. But then how did you end up leaving the country? So yeah, in 2017, there were this big, huge protest and I was already like recognized. I was the, the biggest girl singer and songwriter in that moment. I used my, my social media to show the reality of the protest. I used my Instagram to share to the world what we were living in those protests. So I never thought that I was going to become a reporter. Like that wasn't my plan. I just wanted to share what I was living. I used to go to the protest with a friend and he was riding a, a motorcycle and I was in the back so we could escape from the military and the police so every time things were like really really dangerous we jump into the motorcycle and you know so it was just a way to express and I wanted more people to join the protest like that that was the reason why I began to report but later on I became a reporter, so suddenly I start seeing my videos in Jaime Bailey programs 
and then a, a media asked me to send them my videos and suddenly I was like interviewing people that were violent by by the militaries and suddenly I was moving medicines to help people that were injured I don't know how that happened but that happened we were reporting live uh, from the protest and I could see so many awful things I could see so many tragic things it was really painful uh, but we thought that we could through protest and through manifest we could change and recover the democracy of Venezuela we were kind of well I was kind of naive now I see it I think that that we didn't realize how bad these guys are. We never imagined that this could happen to us. Most of people that have democracy take democracy for granted. Democracy is kind of slippery, like you have to really take care of it because it's so delicate, it's so, 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 so fragile. The day that I decided to leave out Venezuela it was a day that I was standing watching a, a confrontation between civilians and a military force and I was just watching and there was this guy just right here I didn't know him and suddenly he got an impact from a um, gas bomb and he he fell down I, I took him up and he was like screaming I'm gonna die and I was like no you're not gonna die breathe moto moto like searching for a motorcycle to to take him out from there and take him to an hospital we took him up into the motorcycle and then I saw how his life went out of his mouth like he was like <sighs> another guy tapped with him in the in the motorcycle so he wouldn't fall and they took him to the hospital that was really nearby but they couldn't resuscitate him so yeah that moment like for me was like later on I found out what his name was then uh, his family wrote me because I record the moment where they took him because I just put him in the motorcycle with the other guys that were took, uh, taking care of him and that day I realized that I was gonna die if I was gonna stay in Venezuela because I wasn't gonna stop going to the protest and I realized that if I die I won't be able to do music that it's my purpose my family they were so happy that I was live in Venezuela because it wasn't the first time that I was close to be killed. I had two impacts of my, in, on my legs of the bombs. Also in two times the militars tried to make us uh, fell from the motorcycle. They one hit me with a metal stick. I wasn't thinking and yeah I had to leave and it was good that I did because I'm alive <laughs> and I can make music and I tried being right now in Mexico I try to be a good ambassador of my country to show the good sides and the good part of what we are and what we have. You did your adventures in Venezuela and then you go to Mexico and it's a completely different environment even though there is violence and there is a whole bunch of things going on. How has it been for a Venezuelan, let's say, established artist going to a completely different country, starting from zero, and with all this emotional baggage that you bring in, all the rage and of all the injustice that you, you have been witnessing for years, and then you go to Mexico and start creating again? How, how was that process? One of the hardest part of 
migrate, not because you want to, but you have to, is that no one cares about what you were, what you did. It was a strong hit for self-esteem, for identity, you know, it was like, oh my God, now I'm no one. I don't know anyone. I don't have networks. No one knows who am I or, or what I did or what can I'm capable of doing or what have been, what I have become. Like, no one cares. It was really, really, really hard. Like I arrived to Mexico and a month and a half later, I moved to a little apartment. I just spent like three weeks in that apartment and then was the earthquake and that that building fell, like the half of the building fell down. So I have to move out and I, I lose some things and it was really traumatic to be like a foreigner and also be without a home and also I began to work in a theater and then my boss didn't want to pay me anymore and I felt so homesick but at the same time I was thinking like I cannot go back I'm afraid because I felt when the protest began I was depressed we were all depressed and we were like Rah! and the protests were like a way to express our impotence and our rage and our sadness you know and uh, yeah so the first year was really oh my god it was so hard then i began to know more people and to talk to more people and to present in concerts and well everything kind of began to be in, in a better place but it was hard it was really hard and for me as a migrant i couldn't keep doing music like i couldn't have a have a way to finance my music like i couldn't i couldn't put money on my music because m music it's expensive it's not something that it's easy to do it as independent <laughs> so how do you get back into your music career then oh my god like i have to write a book of my experience as a migrant but later in 2019 i went to spain to have two concerts one in barcelona and one in madrid when i returned to mexico city i gave the migration official my passport and he was like oh mm. Uh, lady, you have to come with me to to give you a second revision. I was like, oh, okay. And I went, I was like really chill. I wasn't worried or anything. But then he asked me, can you give me your cell phone? I was like, yeah. And I gave him my cell phone and I gave him my passport. And then I didn't have a way to communicate with no one. And then he told me like, you're going to be here in eight hours. You're going to be deported to Spain. I was like, what? And I was like, no, I have to tell like my friend that it's waiting for me outside that I won't be out. I, I'm going to be deported. So I never got in jail in Venezuela. <laughs> I was going to lose my freedom in Mexico. No way. They put us in a in a rooms that had mattresses in the floor, like, and they put new migrants and then deported them. And it's like people weren't people, you know. It was like things put them there, then took them off, and no, you are not welcome, you are welcome, you are not welcome, like, I don't care about your rights, and they didn't let us talk to no one, It's it should be a, a human right to communicate, to talk to, I don't know, to ask for a lawyer, whatever, but they didn't let us, but, well, I, I come from a family that, well, we talk a lot, and <laughs> 
and we we fight for our rights so i talked to him so many times and i asked him please i cry i ask i beg i like i was so annoying like i i, I have to say that i was so annoying to him that one one time he told me, okay, I'm gonna ask my supervisor for you to call to your lawyer. So yeah, he, he let me call my lawyer and I told my lawyer what is what it, what was happening. And my lawyer could put a, a, like a paper to stop the deportation. So they couldn't take me out of, of Mexico. After that, because they couldn't deport me, I spent a day and a half more in that place. They just gave me food twice. Like I was so starving. After the two days that I was there, they moved me in the middle of the night. It was 3 a.m. to a place that was awful, that was in the south of Mexico City, that is called Iztapalapa, and to a, a migration center that is called Las Agujas, the needles. When I arrived to that place, like I was in shock. Like I began shaking. I was so nervous because I understood that okay this is going to be serious it, it it was a jail it was a migrant jail and in that jail i i met people from all around the world obviously poor countries only and uh, but i met people from nepal people from la india people from dominican republic haiti central america honduras nicaragua el salvador I met people from all around the world, really. It was really crazy. They, this part was just women. Another part was just for men. And the transgender, that was so shocked for me. The transgender were in the floor, sleeping in the floor without a roof, you know? It was like, well, the thing is that I spent there 14 days. It was a really awful experience. The good thing of it is that I had the opportunity one night, all the girls, we were talking and they were telling their stories and all their stories were so, so hard, so painful. Like it was this little 14 years old girl that she was, she has been raped from seven years old from her uncle. And she decided to leave her house and go and walk to the migrant caravan that was going to go to United States. And she decided to go by herself. Then the police took her and then put, put her in this migrant jail. Other two girls, 14 and 18 years old, they were trying to cross to United States to, to find her mom because her mom left when they, like 10 years ago. So they were trying to find her mom. There was this Cuban girl that was bought by a Mexican narco when she was 13 years old. The narco married her, and then when she was 15, she had already two babies. And they, he left her because he just likes uh, little girls from 13, 14 years old. So he found another one and he abandoned her. And uh, now she is all right, and she, she always talks to me. Like most of them uh, find me later on, on Facebook and they write to me a lot. But yeah, so many stories. I realize how privileged I am, even though I'm, I come from Venezuela and I grew up in a really crazy country with a dictatorship and all that. I could leave my country in a plane, you know, like I, I am a privileged, educated person. And most of the girls there, they come from so hard and awful 
environments. So when it was my turn to talk, I was like impressed because all their story stories were so harsh and so painful. And when I had my time to talk, I was like, well, I'm Venezuelan, I'm a, I'm a singer and survivor. I, I had to leave my country because of a dictatorship, but that's all I have to say. And they were like, sing, 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 sing. So I, I sang a song that I wrote two days before I left my country that it's called El Canto del Emigrante. It's a song about migration. And uh, when I opened my eyes, because I didn't have my instrument, they took all my things. I didn't have anything. I just have my clothes. I sang that song and when I opened my eyes, they were all crying and hugging and I was like, whoa. And they, they asked me to sing another one. So I sang a song that it's called Latidos. It's a song about resilience and about overcoming difficulties, overcoming the pain, overcoming whatever life gives you. And when I opened my eyes, they were like, crying and laughing and they were saying like this is my song oh my god the little girls were like this is my song and I was like oh so yeah that that day was amazing then I organized them to fill up uh, a, a sheet of paper to let this migrant center to give me my cuatro back my instrument my Venezuelan instrument to give them a concert so they allowed me to have my cuatro for two hours on a Saturday and I gave them, them a concert and it was so amazing. Like it, I never, I'm, I'm never going to forget that. I made them dance, I made them sing. We laugh, we cry, like, oh my God, it was, was so powerful and so emotional the day. And yeah, and I, I spent there 14 days. Uh, thanks God I could get out from, from that place. Most of them were there for mon months that I than than I, and uh, yeah, it was hard to realize how fortunate I am, I am and how privileged I am. Even even just for the looks, you know, they they treat me different, and it was really painful just to see racism, classism, how power is in the head of people, and like the guards treat me different. For example, they they treated me different. Yeah, it was it was a hard experience, but I I'm grateful now because now I'm working on a, on a new album that is going to be about migration. And I think that I leave that to make their voices have a voice, you know? Some, most of the things that happen to migrants, no one knows like how hard migration is, like how tragic. And so many girls that, that are migrants are raped so many times in, the, in their journey there's so so much injustice and i think it's a really important theme that we should know and i i experienced that I, and now i i feel like i can give them a voice oh my god i just love this girl she's so full of life and the things that have happened to her just unbelievable i mean we hear the word migrant tossed around a lot but we hardly ever hear the stories behind these lives and especially young women who as you can hear just get the worst of it. I agree that was a really powerful interview. Um, I am now looking forward to the album Migration that should be out next year but for now I'm going to play a track that I really like by her called Queremos Vivir en Paz. Sueldo no te alcanza para la comida. ¿Cuál paz? 
diferente A ellos no les duele el llanto De una madre cuando espera Que su hijo vuelva a casa Pero su hijo no regresa Este es el momento de vivir el sentimiento Alza los brazos, defiende tus derechos interview I did with um, Luis Enrique. You remember him? Of course I do. I wanted to be like him when I was a, a teenager growing up in Caracas. Well, we interview him for our next issue of Latino Life, uh, which is out next week. And it also uh, comes 
with this big story about Venezuela, the diaspora and music. And um, what I realized with Luis Enrique that I had no idea about because he was like the pretty boy of salsa of the 90s. He was a huge star and fantastic music. But nobody would have thought that he had actually come from Nicaragua at the age of 15 with his little brother, the two of them alone, crossing the border of Mexico to Los Angeles. And they were basically alone there. And he started his career, well, from high school age, uh, totally alone in the United States as migrants. And um, he made his career from scratch. And well, all this we talk about in the interview. Um, but recently, his most recent al album, for which he won a Grammy, is with a Venezuelan group who also had to leave Venezuela called C4, phenomenal group of cuatro players. And they do an album together. And on that album, the main title track is called Añoranza, which is called Yearning. And it's all about migration. So I think we can listen to that. Hola, ¿qué tal, mi amor? Hola, ¿qué tal, mi amor? Te hago esta carta para decirte que te amo, que te extraño, que te pienso toditos los días. Baila mi corazón, baila mi corazón. Al recordar aquellas tardes en la esquina y la brisa de la calle donde yo corría, que fue de Doña Flor. Con su tiendita donde compramos las cosas que abuela pedía De mi compadre dame razón Aún sigue viva su poesía Que en la lejanía me acerca a vos Tú vas conmigo por donde voy Y sé que pronto llegará ese día Oye tierra mía que cambies de color Pa' que no llore más Pa' que no sufra Caminando con los sueños arrugados en una mochila Dime qué te pasó, dime qué nos pasó En qué momento de esta historia nos dejaron la tristeza Y se llevaron toda tu alegría Ruego que nunca más la indiferencia se apodere de tus calles Sembrando agonía, que si en tus valles con sabiduría la valentía de ser mejor Tú vas conmigo por donde voy Y sé que pronto llegará ese día Oye tierra mía que cambies de color ¿Para qué? ¿Para que no
bordado de estrellas abre camino a tus hijos Sonreír otra vez Pa' que lo malo se vaya de ti my joint right there and for the cuatro lovers i love my cuatro so the last track of the diaspora venezuela issue it is a very special band it's called monsalve y los forajidos monsalve is a venezuelan musician and ethnomusicologist whose latest album beaches is all about afro-venezuelan percussion it is a fusion of funk, salsa, and everything in between, and Afro percussion from Venezuela, which is the best kept secret in the Caribbean. If you like percussion, you need to dig into Venezuelan Afro percussion. And this is from the album called Beaches, and the song is called Palo de Agua. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. 
are listening to the Latino Live podcast. And now we move on to our classics, which is my favorite part. And who else are we going to have if not Astor Piazzolla, who's 100 years old today, if he was living. For those of you who don't know, he took tango to another place completely, breaking all the boundaries. He's known for his great crescendos and dips, and he takes you on an emotional roller coaster to places, <laughs> dark places, to high places. His music is just incredible. And obviously his 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 most well-known tracks are tracks like Libertango and Adios No Nino, which are also my favorites. But I'm going to play for you a more obscure track from an album that I absolutely fell in love with called The Rough Dancer in the Night. And for some reason, I remember listening to this in Canada. I think I've only been to Canada once. I was in Montreal. I was on my own and I was feeling a bit melancholic. Obviously, the other end of the continent to Buenos Aires, where I was living at the time. And I just played this all the time, this album. And this tune is called Leonora's Love Theme. Very dramatic, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know me.
whew, that was intense. Now, moving on, on to some more upbeat things. Yeah, the tropical rhythms that you need. Um, well, uh, now we have an interview with a very interesting guy. Uh, he's a, a DJ and producer. He got uh, known all over the world for a song called La Mezcla, which he produced using Totola Momposina's samples. And it became probably the biggest house track of that year and one of the most listened tracks of the probably the last 10-15 years in that kind of music. And it made him a household name within that market. And now he just reworked a, a track by Natalia Laforcade called Tu Si Sabes Quererme, and we catch up with Michel Clays. I started by asking him why Latin music more than anything else. Your sound is very evocative of Latin American music. How come? Because you don't you don't look very Mexican to me or Colombian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's I mean, that's right. I'm Swiss, totally Swiss, and. Uh, like maybe with some part in, of my blood is, is Italian. So, I mean, there is something Latin, but not from Latin America. Anyway, basically my uh, musical origins in house music are coming, or my my mentors, the people I love to listen to uh, years ago and now, even right now, but I, I work with them so, sometimes, like Masters at Work, uh, Little Louis Vega, this kind of vibe, there is something, you know, percussion and stuff. In, in another part, I was going out with a Colombian uh, friend. My friend was Colombian and I had like uh, two love, two Colombian love. And what happened is like I discovered music like during my trips and uh, my uh, journey in Colombia. And uh, it was like a family affair, you know, and uh, I don't know why really it touched me so much. I mean, I, I love percussions. It could be even African music, uh, for example, ethno music in general. You sound very organic to me, especially tracks yeah. like uh, El Litoral, which is almost like almost like a live session. I feel like yeah. you're listening yeah. to a live session yeah. of musicians. And yeah. how do you do that? I mean, DJing was before, but uh, to, to, to work with samplers was in 97. And uh, I mean, I was sampling music, so I had my own percussion, which I will find in uh, some CDs or vinyl, uh, especially vinyl. And I just cut into the loops and stuff and I redo my patterns. So this is the reason why it sounds uh, probably organic. I put some reverb somewhere and then I cut. And I try to also to, to work with uh, sometimes some uh, electronic sounds of percussions and then i do i try to create patterns with all these shakers and uh I, this is the reason why i think uh, it's uh, it's so organic because basically at the start there are organic sounds so it's not just about computers you I recognize because of la mezcla it has been one of the biggest dance tracks of the 20th century after that, do you feel that you have to deliver another La Mezcla? No, it doesn't work like that. I, I, I did some, some other stuff like Litoral or Miranero. And I feel like uh, uh, that are a kind of collaboration with, uh, with artists that pre-exist. And then 
you put your just your hand on it. I don't know if it's really a remix. It's more than that because it's like a, there is a big part of arrangement and you have to, to think on clubs and to, to do something that that can hit the club. So um, big Latino artist from Toto, which is a, a legend. And then you work with people like Gotham Project. You did stuff with Roberto Fonseca more recently for Jazz yeah. Features. But then you now working with uh, with Shakira Natalia. too, with, with Shakira too. But, but <laughs> yeah, exactly with Shakira. Yeah, you you yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you get and now you you are dealing with Natalia, which she, in her own right she's pretty big at the moment. But it's, it's interesting that this song is is already big. It has like 250 million views on YouTube. It's a big hit. How did did it happen? This new song with you and her. I didn't know Natalia Lafourcade. Hector Romero, who's working for for Oriana, like contacted me and they told me just like uh, they told me, uh, yeah, we we have this idea and we would like to do stuff uh, with you too, if you if you want. And uh, I was like, yeah, why not? Uh, Hector, Hector, it's a real friend. So and uh, and then he, he sent me uh, Natalia Lafourcade this this song that to sabes quererme. I really love this uh, acoustic uh, thing, and really I loved it. And I was like, okay, I will try to do something with that, but it's it's not so easy to go up than uh, 103 BPM because otherwise the voice is like uh, becomes like horrible to hear, and it's not it's not nice. If I if I knew that the song was like already so known and popular, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, because I, I did I did that like without uh, really pressure I, I didn't check I just took the music and I was like okay it's a cool it's nice and, and I want to work on it but I didn't check really I didn't check what it is I hope I, I could meet maybe Natalia Lafourcade one day at the moment it's just a, a digital story apparently she she liked it so this is the most important thing this track is very different to what I heard from you before. There is a very dancehall vibe to it, almost, I wouldn't say reggaeton. It is very surprising to hear this from you. It does sound you, but let's say it's out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Is this a new era of Michelle Clay's <laughs> you know, <laughs> taking, taking on, the, on, on the urban market, or is just the music took you there? First, the music to, uh, took me took me there, of course. But I, I mean, to say the truth, I'm open to all kind of music. If, if I had the impression it's uh, that it's good, if I love it, if I, if I like it, so uh, for me to go at 103 BPM, it's not really a problem. It's not like uh, if I was selling my soul to the <laughs> to hell, you know. And uh, yeah, and. <laughs> Uh, I, I have also an age now that that is okay with with that. I mean, it's just music, and uh, I I was happy to it it changed for me to do something like that, and uh, I would love to to do more in this direction. Maybe more with remixes and uh, to have already material or parts, uh, and then then to to work on it because it, even the the way of mixing and the way of uh, of sounds it's like another way uh, of thinking so it's refreshing personally put my head in in something like that so i hope i will i will have something something more to do in this direction uh, really but i'm i'm ready 
I'm ready. So, so I'm ready. We, we, we will be getting a, a Daddy Yankee remix by you in the next couple of months, <laughs> I hope. Possible. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. I don't know. The first thing is like to 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 love the the, the elements and the, you know like song, and then uh, why not? listening to the latino live podcast so now we're going to finish with our new releases international and uk both of these came out yesterday and 
I, in fact, chose the international release because I know we have different tastes in music, right? Yeah, how how good taste. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I just, you know, I just let her do the music every now and then. I kind of insisted on this because I'm a big fan of the singer-songwriters, Jorge Drexler, Caetano Veloso, and I especially love my Brazilian singer-songwriters. And this guy, who's called Luis Gabriel Lopez, I was sent his music by Dalata, and it just blew my mind. I just found it so beautiful. I loved every single track of his new EP called Sois. He's from Minas Gerais, uh, the land that produced, obviously, the great Milton Nascimento. And he's kind of the new Minas music. And I just loved his poetic simplicity. It just really reminded me of those great Brazilian singer-songwriters. In fact, I'm always asking Brazilians, who's the new Caetano Veloso? Who's the new Chico Buarque? Which is a silly question, obviously, because music moves on and nobody wants to be compared to those greats. But he really captures the essence for me of Brazilian songwriting. It was so difficult to choose which track because I just loved them all. But I'm going to choose for you just the first track, which is the one that first caught my attention, and it's called Sonhar Feito Planta. Que existe 
And to round up things for this week, we have P-Man and Jonam, urban Latin artists based in London. And this is something that they released yesterday. I quite like it. It's called Selva. It's out in all platforms. Enjoy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No te preocupes si te llego de sorpresa No botella y los copas en la mesa Si no, no pasa nada porque estresas Baby, pásame la champaña y las fresas Tus ojitos para el cielo, esa es la meta Esa beba está muy rica, bien coqueta Yo te cuido en esta ceba Peligrosa con pinta de tigresa Atrevida como mesa Como yo la cuido, nunca tiene queja Te pongo el corazón a cantar Tú sabes, no te voy a engañar Yo te cuido en esta selva Y te protejo como una metra Si no te respeta una mano pasajeta Él no te quiere ni poquito como un Tesla Él se maneja solo como un Tesla Solo dime y pasamos en la Vespa Y le damos vuelta como una crespa Para darle el mismo como yo sé Yo te cuido en esta selva Peligrosa con pinta de tigresa Atrevida como yo la cuido nunca tienes queja Te pongo el corazón a cantar Tú sabes no te voy a engañar Te pongo el corazón a cantar Tú sabes no te voy a engañar Para ti mami todo lo que quieras Valenciano Tú sabes que te gusta no te hagas Un hielo chocolate en la mañana Te lo mereces te trato como una dama No olvides lo que hacemos en la cama no te cuelgo el teléfono cuando llamas Estoy aquí, no me vuelvo en un fantasma Tu corazón me lo robo, suena alarma Yo te cuido en esta selva Peligrosa con pinta de tigresa Atrevida como mesa Como yo la cuido nunca tiene queja Yo te cuido en esta selva Peligrosa con pinta de tigresa Atrevida como mesa como yo la cuido nunca tiene queja Te pongo el corazón a cantar Tú sabes no te voy a engañar Slow down Mami slow down Mami vete a lo Mami slow down Tú sabes que me tienes en el low down Sabes que lo hacemos On a low down On a low down Silentico que me gusta Baby boo Tanta besita pa' ninguna como tú Solitos en la selva Cuando me baila quiero ver más Como me mira y se me acerca Tengo la gana de nunca dejar de verla Exploremos como Simba y la Nala En la oscuridad sin viéndonos la cara Mami sé que te gusta viendo como tú me agarras Y yo te cuido en esta selva Peligrosa Con pinta de tigresa Atrevida como la nena me besa Yo te cuido en esta selva Peligrosa con pinta de tigresa Atrevida como me besa Como yo la cuido nunca tiene queja Okay, well that's it from us this week Please check out our website latinolife.co.uk for all those interviews on the Venezuelan artists and watch out for our print magazine out next week. Bye.